The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today, we have a very special friend of mine, Barnett Bain, who is exquisitely in touch with what needs to be said in the universe, and I just have such a special relationship with this man. Barnett has been an extremely successful director, producer of very big films in Hollywood, and he only does work that is central to a positive message to the world. His latest book is The Book of Doing and Being, and the movie that he's working on right now is called Milton's Secret, and we're going to hear a lot about both of those today. Barnett, welcome to Leading Conversations. I'm so glad to be back with you. It's so great to have you here again. Where are you today? I'm in um, very, very cold Toronto, Canada, and it is chilly here, and it is snowing. And my feet are freezing. Wow, wow. So, how are you vacationing in the snow? <laughs> you know, I, I know snow is really what you like. <laughs> it's, it's cold. It's cold. I'm, I've been here since August. I'll be here until May. And ah. I'm working on this film up here. And, um, and so, no matter where I am, uh, if I am passionately involved. It doesn't really matter how cold it gets or how hot it gets. I'm humming along at my own temperature. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, I think that's part of your secret. You know, you get so focused in your purpose and you let all the other distractions fall away. How do you do that? You know, it took a very long time for me to... um, begin to make a distinction between focusing my awareness in my head Mm. and focusing it in my body. And for Mm. most of my life, I didn't know that there was anything except my head. And I thought my Mm. body was something to carry my head around on. And when people would ask me what what I was feeling, um, usually I just said nothing. Um, You know, I I thought, maybe am I numb? Mm. It took me a very long time, took many, many, many years for Mm. me to discover the unknown territory, Mm. to discover that I have feelings that were separate from thoughts about feelings, from anxiety, which I substituted for feelings, stories, I must have been a storyteller in my life, so I'm adept at, at telling a story. And uh, I mistook for feelings stories with um, negative outcomes, occasionally positive outcomes, uh, that generated uh, abstract sense of what those uh, feelings, not, a, not an embodied sense of feelings, a, a mm. of how I might want to feel, or anxiety, or fear, or based out of story. So it took a very, very long time for me to yeah. shuttle out of my head into, uh, into my body mm-hmm. and to learn that uh, that was a choice for me. And as I've developed um, a practice of shuttling and shuttling and shuttling and returning and returning and returning over and over again, sometimes, sometimes it seems that uh, I am like this elevator going up and down and up and down and up and down. <laughs> but uh, 
I began to develop more and more of a familiarity with my body and with the being states that attend an embodied awareness. And uh, in the body lives passion. Mm. I love that. Well, and so it makes me wonder, though, you know, you have been such an amazing creator of um, the messages of magic, of translating sometimes complex stories into um, something that's very approachable for most people to understand and feel and move into. How did you do all that if you were only doing it intellectually? That's a really, really good question. So I'm going to risk this. At the, I'm going to risk sounding incredibly woo-woo. So bear mm-hmm. with me, listeners. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have um, a destiny. Actually, I believe we have two destinies. And one is a destiny, a life we are given. And then there is the destiny that we choose. So there is the destiny of the small self, and that is a function of a lot of things. It's a function, I I believe, of how we're conditioned by our environments, uh, how we're raised, what happens as far back as even even in utero, the influences um, that happen to our mother and our history, our heritage, and all of these things are baked into our DNA. They're baked into us. And if you believe, as I do, if you come from a spiritual orientation, then there are even life purposes that are um, baked in as well. You know, um, learning how to consciously create uh, flow and, uh, and fun. Uh, these are life purposes as, as well as uh, individual tailor-made specific life purposes. Mm-hmm. And so those are also baked in. And that, that adds up to the life that we are given. It's kind of what we come out of the starting blocks with. And so baked into, um, baked into my being state right from the very start was a creative facility and a creative aptitude. Mm. But those are presets because mm. they, um, they're like back in, remember back in the day, I don't know that all of our listeners can remember cars with push-button radios. We had radios and you would preset the stations and when they had like five or seven buttons and you'd press those buttons and your station would come up. Mechanical buttons, remember those? Mm-hmm. You're too young for that, Cheryl. Of course. <laughs> so um, those presets um, are like the life we're given. We have certain aptitudes, and they are baked in. But eventually, uh, as we love and as we grow, certainly as I learned to love and and grew, um, comes a time when um, the opportunity happens, presents itself, Mm -hmm. for one to step out of the life that we are given into the life we create, the life we make, the life we a handmade life. And then the presets... Um, they simply, uh, they're like the guide rails that keep you on track uh, until such a time that you can uh, step out of the autopilot. I'm mixing metaphors like crazy here. And, um, and, begin, to, uh, and begin to develop those capacities yourself. Mm-hmm. And so um, I did do a certain amount of, um, I, I had quite a creative life by rote for the most part. Right. And uh, at, there came the point when, uh, as I said, that I uh, associate with the move from the head into uh, the body. I'm not just speaking strictly the head to the heart. It's, it's, it's yeah. the body as well. Um, and with that began a very different relationship with creativity itself. I said earlier, that passion resides in the body, and creativity also presents itself first in the body, first as a somatic state. So a whole higher um, octave of creativity. And I think the difference between creatively moving the furniture around, uh, manipulating what, what has been, uh, is not the same as creatively um, uh, operating in a world of disruption where 
not necessarily mm. negative disruption, but simply a discontinuous creative state that shows up as innovation. That begins, uh, uh, that, that is always presents itself as a gift mm. from the more of us, and, or, or perhaps even the more that is beyond us, it presents itself as a gift, mm. and that is delivered to the body. It starts as the, as Robert Frost said, every poem of his started with a lump in the throat or a broken heart or, or a quickening of excitement. Mm-hmm. It's always a feeling. Uh, and we deliver, that, um, we deliver that impetus to the mm-hmm. doing nature, to the head, and which does all of the, the measuring and crunching and sizing and baking and opens the business and turns on the light and bakes the cake and takes the kids to work. But the impetus is delivered in the body. So, so, you know, as I hear you, I think, you know, you were very much in touch with your creative self um, in this way in the beginning and, and you let that lead you. You followed that path. As I think about our society and, you know, around the world and, and in the U.S., I think about people who say so often, oh, I'm not creative, oh, I can't do anything creative because you can't um, have uh, an income that way, or um, it doesn't really matter, it doesn't count. How do you think we got to that point? How did we get to that point um, as, as the that there is a collective consciousness that believes that. And, I mean, I, I, how did we get there if, if we all came in with some level of creativity? Well, it's such a, it's such a um, provocative question. I have lots of ideas about it. I've given it lots of thought. There's a number of elements that... Um, are very real for me. I'll speak personally. I am aware that um, as a, as a, I was born into a, um, I call it the first movie. Hmm. It's the situation and the circumstances of my life, of, of one's life at birth. The cast has already been uh, set and the costumes have been created and the sets have been built and the lines have been handed out. Everybody knows their part. And we come in as babies into this, um, into this situation, into this scenario. And uh, people have certain behaviors and we soak up like little sponges our place in that, in that constellation. We soak up, um, uh, are, am I the, the good one? Am I the, uh, yeah, am I the yeah. rebel? Um, uh, we soak up other people's thoughts and beliefs and choices and decisions and attitudes and feelings. And we um, always make them our own. We do it one of two ways. We make them our own by embracing them or we make them our own by pushing off of them. But they still run us. Mm-hmm. And so they become the artifacts of our world, the constructs of, of our world. Uh, that by itself shoehorns um, uh, all possibility, endless, infinite possibility, into a very specific uh, storyline. Right. Inside that storyline, we have a very specific role that we create for ourselves as an adaptive response to surviving mm. it. As a child, I want my mother's love. I want my father's love. I don't want yes. to talk about mm-hmm. I don't want, so I want to be a good little boy or I want to be the rebel. Whatever it is, we learn certain adaptive skills. So these further shoehorn possibilities into um, uh, a, a, more, a na- more and more narrow set of responses right. and assumptions and beliefs. And, and very early on, we uh, take these assumptions as um, as laws, we make them into laws. They're dark laws for the most yeah. part. Occasionally, there are some light laws, but mostly they are very confining ideas about ourselves and others. And then we live inside of them, and that's further reinforced 
by our society as we go on and by our structures. Um, um, it is not in the interest of the way our societies run. It's not in, in the interest of... of um, uh, this is not a political reference I'm making. Uh, it's just a, uh, a discernment. It's not in the interest of capitalism itself uh, to set people free in that way. Uh, not that they are... And I don't believe that, uh, that it is even considered in a conscious way. So it's not that they're going about in some sort of tyrannical... Um, there's no tyrannical motives here. It's simply... We, uh, it is in the interest of capitalism to, um, to perpetuate uh, an idea that we are dependent on outside resources and we are dependent on um, uh, uh, external agents for our safety, for our well-being, for our status, for our, for our connection, for our financial safety and security, for all of our needs who are dependent on outside and that they are always transactional. And so what happens is um, what is buried under all of that is a fundamental truth. And this may sound shocking to some people, but it's my conviction that every thought and belief and choice and attitude and decision and feeling is a creative act. Mm. Every single one. And so we are all always creating and creators 100% of the time, either by actively consciously making choices or by defaulting into uh, pre-made preset choices, the presets. So we're either doing it by consciously creating or by allowing ourselves to be created by others, by the, mm-hmm. by the first movie that I call it. And so we become um, divorced from our... Our, 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 our heritage and our birthright. And what happens is creativity begins to be um, rebranded as some very, very narrow, very special function of an elite few, usually found on the uh, tabloid covers of our, at our supermarket checkout counters. And, uh, and these mostly uh, beautiful-looking people or um, incredibly affluent people um, have a special talent usually with regard to um, creating artifacts. Either they can write or paint or they're actors or they're musicians or they're dancers. One of the, one of the, um, one of the seven arts that we, as we've right. identified them. And that is a very, very disempowering view. Uh, it, it separates us from uh, all of our possibilities. That's the short version. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so, you know, I I love hearing this. And, you know, what I know is that your most recent book, The Book of Doing and Being, Rediscovering Creativity in Life, Love, and Work, has been so well-received. And I know you've been on book tour, and um, people are just so hungry for this. And there's something about this book, you know, as I said earlier, you make this content so approachable for people, and they move into it very much seeing themselves and feeling themselves. And so you immediately put them, those words put them into that state. And, you know, you, tell me why you decided to write the book. Well, first of all, thank you for those um, kind words. I'm very grateful for them. Uh, I wrote the book because I uh, woke up to an awareness that I had developed over years. Um, I suddenly realized I had a mastery. I suddenly realized there was a, that there is a particular uh, area of sphere of activity in my life over which I have, in which I have dominion. It's not a struggle for me. And, um, and I trust myself. And I, um, I can uh, claim to being, ma- being masterful at it. And that's not a vanity. It's simply a, a statement of fact. Uh, right. I'm masterful at it because I have uh, access to a particular um, sensibility around it. And uh, when I realized that, 
uh, I, I understood uh, next that the most exciting thing for me, um, the most creative thing that I could do, every creative act is in some way a desire to make change. Mm. Um, when it's disintegrated, it's negative change. But when it's conscious, it's always change. We're always mm. seeking to make something more efficient or more effective or more beautiful. And so mm-hmm. the highest purpose of my creativity, it suddenly uh, occurred to me, was to empower others to be more effective in their own creativity. Mm, I love it. Well, and this is certainly helping people to do that. Give, tell our listeners um, what are some of the um, ahas that people who you've met you know, along your travels in, in the book tour. Um, what are some of the ahas that they've shared with you? Oh, I've had some fabulous ones. Oh, some fabulous ones. The mo- <laughs> one that happened this week is that I was on the streetcar in Toronto, and a packed streetcar at rush hour, and a woman was sitting there all bundled up in her ski jo- in her winter parka, and she mouthed my name. And I... I um, she recognized me uh, from yeah. the, my picture on the back of the book oh, and, uh, and shared with me on a streetcar the impact of the book it had. So that's a micro version. In the macro, uh, I was approached by the um, Take Your Daughters and Sons to Work Foundation and the Big Brothers and Big Sisters of America to provide uh, content for them um, over this year so that they could begin to um, foster um, creative interactivity in the organization and um, in, fam- in the families that they serve. That's maybe the most um, thrilling and the most satisfying one That's for me. That's wonderful. That is so wonderful. I mean, that is, you know, that, that is part of, um, I, I think, the author's um, understanding. Sometimes it's a difficult part, but... That once you write the book, once it's complete, it's no longer yours. It's no Correct. longer yours, right? Yeah, so, I mean that's that's so going, true. That, you know, right? I was doing. Um, I had to stop the book tour because I was starting the movie. It's always everything at the same time, right? Right. Uh, as you know, there's like long. As I've lamented to you in the past, there are these long fallow periods, and then all of a sudden, yeah. everything yeah. everything grows at once. Yeah. But. Um, yeah. So I um, stepped away to start the movie and to prep the movie and to shoot the movie. And then once the movie was um, shot and we were editing, I could, again, I could return to uh, do some more um, promotion for the book. And by this time, I've written, I'd written the book like almost two years ago. It's mm-hmm. by the time you write a book, as you know, and it goes to the publisher and it spends a year with the publisher. And um, so like 18 months ago, really, I'd written a book 18 months ago and it, wasn't, it was no longer fresh. It's got its own life and it's doing its own thing. And it's, yeah. um, but it's not something that's at the top of my head. I've moved on. I'm, I'm doing other things. I'm writing another book. Um, so it's hard to pull back, it's hard to reconnect with many of the specifics of, of, of right. what goes on. And it's an odd, odd feeling. And yet people show up and they are intimate with practices. And that is so satisfying because they are, as you said, in a relationship with, a, with um, an entity that in some way is a, living, is a living entity and they're having their own experience with it. That's right. That's right. Oh, I love that. So we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more with Barnett Bain about the new movie with, um, based on a story that Eckhart Tolle has written, and we'll be right back. business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Well, welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Escovito and my very special guest today, Barnett Bain. So, Barnett, let's talk a bit about the new movie, Milton's Secret. Um, how did you, what's the premise of the movie? Um, just short, just a short synopsis. And then how did you get involved in this? Oh, the movie is about um, a 12-year-old boy who takes on the... Um, behaviors, the very stressed out behaviors of his parents, who in turn have um, taken it on from theirs. And Mm. um, so he's a very, very stressed out boy. His parents have financial and marital issues, and um, uh, he is blessed to have um, a grandfather uh, who sees him very differently and who values him for who he is more so than uh, what he does. And um, that kind of relationship uh, is one that can change a child's life forever. And that is what the movie's about. Wow. And so how is Eckhart totally involved in this? Eckhart wrote uh, a book called Milton's Secret, a children's book. And I um, was sent it um, pre-publication, and I had an idea about um, that it would serve as a vehicle for me to explore all, a, a, a whole menu of um, mm. thoughts that I have, uh, that it would be the perfect vehicle. And so I approached him, and I explained to him what I had in mind, and um, he was very supportive and enthusiastic, and he said, absolutely, go ahead. That's great. Uh, and so here I am today, I'm just finishing it up. That's great. And what we know about Eckhart is that uh, he very much trusts his intuition. And so if he did not believe that this is going to be a success with you, he would have said no. And so it's, uh, I think that that is really... Um, and so, you know, I really think that that so, uh, speaks to so well about how he believes in you and felt your creativity and felt your genuineness. You know, just he saw you not um, viewing this as simply, uh, you know, something that could be a Hollywood block 
blockbuster or, you know, you were just doing it for the money or whatever. And, you know, that's really a tribute to you, Barnett. And I know that you've gotten to know him even more throughout the making of the film. Um, what is it that he has shared with you um, during the making of the film that has really influenced how you've continued to develop the storyline and um, helping your actors with this? Well, this is... This is um you may find this surprising, or you may not, because you've already uh, established um, his how intimate he is with his intuition. Um, he requested of me. Um, he made one. He made uh, only one stipulation, which was mm-hmm. that he needed to see the script when I was finished with the script, uh, and that if he liked the script, I could make the movie. And if he didn't like the script, uh, we would. That would be the end of it. Oh. And he loved the script. And he said that um, he said very beautiful things about the script. Um, moreover, he um, said uh, some things very publicly uh, about his enthusiasm for the script and for the movie, and uh, uh, has uh, appeared in uh, in various magazines and talking about mm. the movie. And he's very very enthusiastic about it. Uh, one thing about Eckhart is that he does trust his intuition and um, he doesn't second guess himself. Yeah. And, and so he, was, um, he is waiting to see the movie, which I, I plan on showing him um, a rough cut in about a month's time. Mm, nice. What was the most challenging part of this whole project for you as as the, part of the creative force? Well, uh, you know, I've made uh, a number of movies as a result of my, uh, of my uh, interest in and my focus, uh, my, the primary focus of my life is one of um, expanding uh, personal consciousness and that of others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I've, all of my films have really been in, um, uh, there's a word for what I'm trying to say, and I'm having a, I'm having a moment. Um, mm-hmm. Is it bailiwick or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This time, I felt a deepening, a seasoning, uh, a maturing. Uh, they, what is different about this time is that my other films, they had a sense when I look at them, uh, there is a quality of tutorial that that wove in and out from time to time. Mm. Some of them, uh, even some of the more successful ones and some of the more well-known ones, they from time to time felt like, look what I know, and I want you to know this too. Uh, and this time, the film is preoccupied um, with some very big ideas and some very big themes that have to do with our relationship to our conditioning and our relationship to struggle, um, with a level of kind of behaviors that are taken for granted and often nobilized, things like workaholism, mm. um, you know, people that work uh, extraordinary hours, um, and it's nobilized as... Yes. Um, uh, and um, when, in fact, it's really being... is a disregard for one's personal needs and... You know, when people who don't eat when they're hungry and don't sleep when they're tired, and we uh, nobilize this kind of behavior. So um, this and others, and other kinds of behaviors that um, add up to a struggle and, uh, um, and a desire to dominate, to just crush it, that sort of mentality. Um, that is our, that's the way we operate. And um, it is, uh, please forgive me, I, hope, I, don't, I don't wish to offend anyone, but uh, it's neurotic. We, what we label mm. neurotic, uh, clinicians label it uh, neurotic when it is in, in, in extremis, but um, it's increasingly evident to me that one is either, to the degree that one is not present for one's life mm. uh, in the flow moment to moment, 
um, everything outside of presence, everything that is a recapitulation of the past or throwing ideas about the past into the future and calling it vision, all of that is neurotic. And um, that sort of relationship with life uh, leads to an uh, adversarial relationship with life. It, life is to be beaten or it's to be conquered. Uh, and so we are inevitably bullied by life. Hmm. In the case of this movie, the little boy suffers at the hands of a bully next door. The, the father is bullied by his um, some of his uh, accounts and the uh, you know, mother is bullied, feels a victim of their financial situation and of the marriage. Yeah. It's a sophisticated and thorny topic, and I didn't want to, it to be a tutorial. And so the... Yeah. The um, the my most my greatest satisfaction about it is that uh, it appears that I have found a way to discuss these ideas, yeah, um, in a way that doesn't that doesn't feel like um, like a polemic. Yeah, it's, I it's love a story. You know. It's a drama. It's just a story, and yeah. and people behave the way they behave. And when there is one character that shows up, who is operating differently, uh, and uh, and his style of operating is you know is labeled by people in the movie as simplistic, and he's in denial, and it's intellectually dubious, and you know and and woo-woo, and, um, um, but um, nonetheless, by the end of the movie, he has a profound, profound and settling impact on everyone in the community. Yeah. And so it was a delight and a gift for me to uh, receive that kind of inspiration and find, uh, to have found a way to handle a topic like this um, in a purely entertaining way. Mm. I, I love how you would expanded the definition of bullying. You know, most of us understand bullying as something that happens to children. And, you know, you, and, and it seems to be some sort of behavioral action. And but you just described that as, um, you know, being bullied by your work or being bullied by the state of a marriage or the state of a financial situation, that's a very new perspective on bullying. It's the perspective that I have, uh, it's the lens through which I'm telling the story of this movie. And as, as in the process of making the movie, it has deepened my own understanding of... Um, of the relationship that um, being out of the moment uh, mm. has to to uh, to a bullying mentality, we are either bullying uh, or being bullied, uh, and and most of us find a way to make peace with it, and we call it normal. Mm. Inside uh, inside that paradigm, inside that uh, model, it looks very normal. And we're all, mm. we've all been raised inside of it. And so it just feels yeah. like there's no other air to breathe. We, we, this right. is the only life we know. Right. And when we see uh, examples, the rare, rare examples of, of people that um, bust free of it, uh, and that's unfortunate language, not, not bust free of it, but who sort of rise up out of it uh, without mm. being embattled by it. They're not in a fight with it. They don't have anger towards it, they have no rancor towards it, they are by no means, you know, we see, we, we all know people who have surrendered or who have given up yeah. on life yeah. or have withdrawn or retreated, but retreated, but this is not, this is not a character who has retreated from life. He's very much in life. He's mm. very much of a, of a giver and very much of a lover and very much of a restorer. Um, yeah. When we see that sort of thing, it is shocking. Hmm. So the, our first inclination in, out, of our, uh, out of our conditioning is to find it suspect or impractical. Mm. We always want to, we're always scanning for ways to support our current knowing. Right. Uh, and uh, when we see uh, somebody that is operating in an entirely different way and whose life 
is rich and whose mm. life is full and whose life uh, is one of uh, prosperity and bounty, it, uh, it can cause us to reassess. That's certainly my hope. Yeah, yeah. And so where in your life have you experienced bullying? Oh, my. Well, I have, um, I have functioned for most of my life. Uh, it's less um, triggered uh, nowadays, but it's still there. It didn't totally go away with the feeling that somehow, somewhere I am um, flawed or not quite good enough or somehow second mm. rate. Um, and that uh, any moment the shoe is going to drop uh, or that I'm not deserving. So this is sort of baked in. It it's lives. It's the, it's the piece of the iceberg below the waterline. And yeah. for most of my life, uh, it formed and informed um, the circumstances of my life. If underneath uh, there is a stealth um, assumption that somehow I'm flawed, then that makes my relationship with, um, in my case, with um, safety and security and, um, mm-hmm. and finances and um, uh, well-being and circumstances and health, it, it keeps it uh, it, it keeps it uncertain. Now, the greater truth is that uncertainty is the uh, is the uh, the standard operational mode of reality, and it is it is this love affair with the straight line that in, that uh, that insists that we have to have certainty that causes all of the all of the uh, anxiety that makes us. Uh, bullies or victims, mm. and so um, I, I, I'm very well um, versed in feeling uh, that circumstances in my life um, have uh, made me unsafe, or or I've been at the effect of things, and yeah. um, and really the the gift of becoming more present in the body. Um, which is the only place that one can begin to develop a relationship with presence. Yes. The gift is that um, we have suddenly a capacity for resilience. We have a capacity to meet the challenges of an uncertain life because the greater truth about life is it's uncertain. And until we are sophisticated and mature enough to make a friend of uncertainty, we will be bullies or bullied. Hmm. So, you know, what is your hope for this particular film? Oh, my goodness. Well, I hope that it um, provokes um, some uh, discussion. I hope that it provokes some insight and some conversation, um, that perhaps people will recognize um, aspects of themselves um, here and there in the movie and that it may um, be part of uh, a movement, uh, part of a, uh, some, it'll spark, I uh, hope, part of somebody's internal process towards healing, towards mm. uh, love, towards growth, towards um, flow. Uh, I said earlier that all creative instinct is a response uh, to the desire to have impact, to, to make changes, to make mm. something more beautiful or, or more workable or more amenable. And um, so uh, I, I want to um, support uh, people, we support uh, wellness, uh, my own and the wellness of uh, my community, those that are dear to me, near to me, and dear to me, and those who are... Mm. Um, and those who are in my community that I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So, Barnett, you intimated that there's other things brewing in projects, etc. Um, what's next for you? 
Well, I that's you know I have a list of things. Uh, I'm working on another book. I have a few uh, more films uh, that um, are coming together. Uh, I'm uh, doing some teaching and some workshop presenting. I just was at uh, Esalen uh, the end of last year, the end of December. I'll be there again uh, in October of 2016. I'll be at uh, teaching at. Um, Omega Institute at the end of May of 16, uh, Kripalu uh, later in the year, um, Columbia University this summer. So I speak and I teach um, and I uh, and I flow along. I, I don't know what's next for me. Um, those mm. are the things. Those are the things that I am aware of. And I'm always alert to the next new thing. I'm always alert to the next growth ring. What's, what's the next invitation? What's the next exciting uh, possibility? I, if I think back 15 years, I, couldn't even, I would not have had the imagination to conceive of the life that I'm living now. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's part of the secret of living in the creative, right? You have yeah. to be willing to uh, allow. You have to be willing to allow so that the creative can show itself to us. Yes, be- because uh, it, uh, that's precisely the language. Um, thank you. That's exactly, that's exactly how it shows up. It shows itself Mm. to you. It is always a gift. Mm. Um, As long as we default to um, logic and reason exclusively, I'm not saying let's let's, um, broom logic and reason. I'm saying that the the real creative juice uh, occurs beyond logic and reason without losing mm. sight of logic and reason. That's really critical. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, beyond logic and reason, there is uh, an entire frontier of the unknown, mm. something that we, we can't uh, compartmentalize into past experience. And uh, that is the... That is the, uh, you know, if we can become boundary dwellers there uh, and make incursions into that unknown, that virgin territory and bring back the bounty from that place, then then we are leaving our creative lives, artful lives. It's not really a matter for me about um, um, uh, paintings or music or, you know, creating circuses or ballets or, or cocktails. It's about it's about uh, creating an artful life, a life of such humility that I am willing to be wrong in the pursuit of what's right. Oh, I love that! Being willing to be wrong in the pursuit of what what's right. Yes, I mean I can only assume what's right from my very limited limited context. I, mean, I have to make choices there, but I'm willing in the very next moment, to have the whole thing upended. And it creates mm. a chaotic, creates a lot of chaotic living. But um, the dance there is to um, develop a, a, the skill to make that a beautiful chaos and not to be spooked mm. by chaos. When we give chaos simply to our logic and reason, then chaos is processed through my history and uh, through my past, and that will always, always, always end up being a nightmare. That is always a bad bargain. That is always going to conjure up a fear story or a struggle story, a victim, bully victim or a bully dominator story. Life mm. is happening to me story. But if I can um, be in the unknown and uncertain... Uh, and uh, let that chaos um, be an embodied one, then I am, as an adult, I am capable of meeting that and the challenges of life. And then it's a beautiful chaos. Things Mm. always have a way of working out beautifully, beautifully better than expected. Well, Barnett Bain, Milton's Secret, 
the movie will be released when? Uh, next Thanksgiving, 2016. Next Thanksgiving. I love it. And the book of Doing and Being, Rediscovering Creativity in Life, Love, and Work. How can people get that book? They can get it in their bookstores, um, or they can get it online at Amazon and all the other usual suspects, or they can go down to their local bookstore. That's fabulous. Or they can get it I on know my people, web, website as well. I know people will want to um, access you, so what's the best way for them to do that? www.barnettbain.com. One T B A R N E T B A I N dot com. Barnett, it has been such a pleasure to have you here again. I love, I love you. I love what you're up to. I love the way you live your life. It's just such a privilege to know you, and um, we'll have to have you back again on leading conversations. Well, I I miss you, and I'm looking forward to seeing you soon, I hope. I hope so, too. Remember, everyone, to think big, because the world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.